Welcome to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. We're giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. And now, here are the doctors. Well, Zach, we have a pretty exciting weekend coming up here with the Super Bowl. Yeah. And, um, big weekend. Big weekend. Yep. Yep. Chiefs and the 49ers. 49ers. Chiefs Niners, yeah. Yeah. I guess I have to lean toward the Chiefs. We'll see what happens. You know? Yeah. I'm with you on that. I'm with you on that. I mean, I know I really wanted the Lions to beat the 49ers. Right. And they had it, but then they threw it away. Like, you know, it was hard to that. believe. That was yeah. I was excited to, to see them yeah. in the Super Bowl, but. Uh, here we are with the Chiefs again. Yeah, Mahomes and company. I, I think, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I think they get it done. But we'll see. It'll be a good game. That'll yeah. be a good game. Yeah, no doubt. And, and Clemson, hey. That's they, the big news. They beat North Carolina that, this week and, in basketball. Yeah, and at Chapel Hill, too. I mean, that's that's no small feat. That's pretty good. I have to say, in all my years of watching Clemson, <laughs> I have never seen them in person. Actually watched a game where they pulled it out, you know, yeah. in a big game like yeah. that, you know, and uh, – so and I happened to be watching it. And I was like, "Wow, I guess the jinx is done now." Yeah. You know? So yeah. So they could have was, a good rally here and maybe make it big in the tournament. We'll see. There you go. But that was exciting. I, I, yeah. I saw that. Yeah. And I was. I knew coming into work today. I was like, "There you go." Steve's gonna I was going to be in a good mood. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Absolutely made my work. Yeah. My week. There you go. So speaking of which, we have a great show lineup for today, Zach. Um, you know, we're we got some interesting topics. One of them is though. Um, how to resist FOMO and stay on track because, um, you know, we, we hear this time and again where, mm -hmm. you know, clients are all excited about something out there and, and we all get drug into that where we, there's something that's just performing so well and you want to jump in with both feet, but you have to resist it because right. there's a lot of history to say that's very dangerous territory. You can't just jump into something just because it's doing well and everybody's talking about it and you're you're fearful of missing out. That's right, FOMO. So we're going to talk about how to how to resist that. Yeah, it'll be a good one and the next topic we'll talk about is about tax forms. You know, you're you're probably receiving all your different tax forms right now and so there is a article in Kiplinger um 10 tax forms retirees receive and what they mean. I thought this was a good summary. It's pretty helpful to just refresh what each form is, why it's important. So we'll dig into uh, those those things here in just a little bit. So. Yeah, that's right. Great. And uh, by the way, I'm Steve Marbert. I'm a certified financial planner and a Dave Ramsey Smart Investor Pro with over 28 years experience in financial planning and investment advice. And I'm Zach Albanese. I'm also a certified financial planner. Been here for over three years now. February is my anniversary, so it's been good to be here. But I've been in, in the industry for about five years. Yeah, we're excited to have you listen to us today in our weekly show. Our podcasts are up every Friday afternoon. Um, so go check us out on our website. Um, you can see us there on MoneyMD, on iTunes. We're up every Friday morning. Listen to us anywhere in the world. And uh, do do check out our website, MoneyMD, where you can link to us there. You can send us your questions. We'd love to hear from you, and we will talk about those right here on the show. Well, Zach, we're going to start off the show here with the financial fact of the week. All right, Steve, you ready for this one? Yeah, go ahead. Hit me. <laughs> well, study by the Texas Tech Financial Literacy Assessment Project, one of the, the most renowned <laughs> right, yeah. in the world, found that our ability to make financial decisions and apply them correctly peaks in our early 50s. According, early, 50s. early 50s. According to the research, the ability starts to decline around 2% each year after you turn mm. 60. 
Mm. Once your cognitive abilities begin to decline, you your accounts are at increased risk. Steve, oh, there you go. Over what do you think so, about over, that? Over <laughs> sixty, you're in trouble. Start to decline. <laughs> Thanks for pointing that out. Yeah, Zach. you know I. Appreciate you pulling that those those stats out of the dregs of the internet and uh, throwing that on our face this morning. Um, yes, we're aware that there is there's there are studies that have you are, by by we we're aware. You mean you speak for those in their sixties and all their right. for all the all the seniors in the in the world now that. Uh, Yes, those are the averages. Hack it, it does happen. There is cognitive decline on average. You know, that's but, true. But let's keep in mind, you know, I mean, averages are skewed by by the by, you know, the extremes, right? Yes. And uh, so, you know, if we take the average salary of you, me, and uh, and I don't know, um, you know, Mark Zuckerberg, sure, you know, then uh, it would be a pretty high average salary, wouldn't it? You know, that's true. or vice versa. Uh, yeah. So it's a good it's a good rule of statistics in general. A rule of statistics: don't be swayed by statistics. Yeah. They're they're swayed heavily by the outliers. That is true. Okay. That so, is true. So that's average. So you know, the key is you don't want to be average, right? You right. Don't want to. You don't want to have cognitive decline. You want to stay engaged. That's right. But just in case, it's a great idea to always have accountability, that's even right. if you're even if you're not sick. Hey, you know, right? Because average could also mean someone right. in their 30s and 40s is experiencing you it as could, well. You could. You could. You yeah. could be the outlier. Um, that's true. So yeah, you don't want to. You and, and plus, you know, you just need somebody to bounce your ideas across right. your financial decisions. So yeah, have a spouse involved, you know, maybe have a family member, somebody you trust, or an advisor, yeah. you know, involved in some of these decisions. It's always good to have a second opinion. Just make sure that you're making a good sound yeah, trusted source. decision. Yeah, yeah, exactly. absolutely. But, uh, but that was also, my intention with it, Steve. Uh, of course. Not of course. to not yeah. to criticize <laughs> not you. <laughs> to denigrate the uh, seniors <laughs> yeah. in the world here that are listening. By the way, uh, so yeah, I mean, just stay engaged. The cognitive decline doesn't have to happen if you, you know, hopefully. I mean, yeah. but it can, you can be unlucky, have bad genes. It can happen to anybody. Sure. So be prepared. Good yes. fact of Thank the week, you, yeah. Zach. Thank one you. One of the best facts. Out. Yeah, yes. you started us off on a good note here. <laughs> All right, well, let's talk about FOMO, Zach, because this is a more a more pressing and prevailing sure. risk. To and it applies to all ages. It applies to everybody, everybody, right? And even maybe even young people more. I don't know, you know, yeah. but the question is how to resist FOMO and stay on track. This is based on an article um, actually off the SEC's website, investor.gov, uh, by Lori Schock, um, pretty recently here, right off their website. Anyway, um, that, yeah, Zach, at some point, I mean, we've all felt, FOMO, mm -hmm. you know, that's the fear of missing out, right? I mean, whether it involves trying to get a reservation at, you know, a, a restaurant or, right. you know, trying to get a ticket, hottest ticket on Broadway or oh, yeah. for me, maybe trying to get a tea time at the course that's that I right. really want to play, right? <laughs> it happens to everybody. You know, you have trouble, you can't get on, you're like, gee whiz, my friends are there, other people have gotten yeah, here, right. talked about this and I can't get on um, or can't get, can't get that ticket. Um and, you know, and it's even more dangerous when it applies to investing. It's hard to curb that feeling, you know, in most instances, you know, in one place where you would, um, <clears throat> in one place where you want to avoid uh, that, that urge at all costs is when making investment decisions. Sure. Because FOMO is that feeling, 
you know, that you should jump in with both feet oh, before yeah. you totally miss out on something. Um, you know, it happens like this. I mean, you read about, you know, maybe the seven magnificent stocks, you know, and how they doubled last year. Right. And then you, you lock into NVIDIA, you know, which um, you read about that jumped, you know, a $10,000 investment um, five years ago would have would be two hundred thirty five thousand dollars now. Wow, almost yeah. twenty, 20 X, times. Goodness, which is true. Yeah. By the way, you know, <laughs> if we could invest in the rearview mirror, yeah. If we could go back in time, throw our money in that, we'd be right? All right? I mean, you knew that AI stocks were going to be all the rage, and it, it just seemed obvious that it was going to just keep going last year, right? Well, you know, I mean, you see, you see how that tugs at your impulses, sure. Um, I mean, that's why as you make investment decisions, you have to keep in mind, you know, it's it, FOMO is a no-go. No-go on FOMO. No-go to FOMO. SEC says. Yeah. yeah, you cannot fall That's the victim. official SEC. That's the official SEC. <laughs> slogan. Slogan is no-go to FOMO, <laughs> apparently. Yeah. Um, but it is true. I mean, you cannot, yeah. re- you got to resist that urge. Yeah, you know, and we've all seen, you know, the increased interest in, in online investing, the explosion of digital assets, meme stocks, AI stocks, like you were saying. And so understanding these kind of investments may seem overwhelming, but but the allure is, it really is so strong. I mean, we've we've heard it from clients. Um, we, we hear about digital assets, which includes cryptocurrencies, coins, non-fungible tokens, like those offered in initial coin offerings now, not just uh, IPOs or ICOs. Uh, meme stocks may, may be based on internet popularity and social media instead of on financial publications and stock valuations, um, such as companies' performance or, or earnings, which is what you know we look at when we consider uh, a fund um, uh, a good investment or not. And let's not forget what we've seen in previous years. You know, NFTs, non-fungible tokens, in 2021, they they exploded. Everyone thought they were um, the best thing ever, and then they sunk 95% in volume in 2022. Uh, and NFT has a unique code. If you're if you don't know what NFT is, it's a unique code that allows it to be identified as something that can be digitally owned um, or having digital ownership in something like digital artwork, sports mem- memorabilia, photos, etc. And so they went up from 95. Um, sorry, they they sank ninety five percent in twenty twenty two due to the yeah just kind of what you're warning against the FOMO everyone's yeah, rushing in just fell out of favor and then people are like hey these are not worth nearly yeah what you guys were paying for them <laughs> right so, the yeah. crazy price people were paying for just a digital image a digital or ownership something, or something just, yeah it was just kind it's of, wild kind of stupid but they're still out there but they're not they nearly the volume you know, right they were few years ago. Yeah, I mean, a couple of years ago, I mean, we were seeing cryptocurrencies and trading platforms all being touted by, you know, your favorite athlete or entertainer or social oh, yeah. media influencer as the investment opportunity you can't afford to miss, you know. Um, and although it's tempting, I mean, it's you never want to make a decision that it, to invest basic, you know, solely on a recommendation from, you right. know, some advertisement or some, you know, influencer out there. And just because others around you, you know, might be buying into these kind of opportunities, you know, it doesn't mean it's a good investment or mm-hmm. deserves a place in your portfolio. So you got to resist that temptation. You got to remember the phrase, you know, no go home FOMO as yeah. the SEC. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, but you can't let that urge to jump and drive your investment decisions, um, you know, as it often leads to disaster when yeah. you look at history. Yep. You know, buying and selling investments, 
along with trends and influencers just because of the fear of missing out. That's not a good way to plan your financial future. No. It's certainly not. I mean, market swings, they're inevitable. And, you know, as we have seen, you know, many of these trendy investments can experience tremendous amount of volatility. Right. I mean, we've seen, you know, the highs and lows over the years. I mean, remember GameStop? Oh, yeah. Just a few years ago, of course, it lost 80% in one day back in 2021. <laughs> That's wild. In early 2021, in one day. And I mean, as I mean, it experienced all those wild swings with speculation. And now it's settled out about 75% below the price it That's was crazy. back in those days. Um, as it was touted as the next big comeback story, you know, on social media. Yeah. You know, and it has yet to have made a profit. Three years later, GameStocks made no profits. Um, it's proved once again the analysts and the fundamentals were correct once again. There's there's no new economy happening there. Right. None. Yeah, and so I think these these kinds of investments, you know, they may be uh, appealing at first, but once that novelty wears off, many investors decide to move on to something else. I mean, we all do that. And so, you know, and this can really cause the investment to to plummet. I mean, how would you feel if your yeah, if your investment lost 20, 30 50% even in a single day or over a month. I mean, this happens all the time with these these types of stocks and NFTs and cryptocurrencies. You just can't take that kind of risk with your retirement investments. And you don't want to put your emotions through that sort of roller coaster ride. I mean, the euphoria of the big gain is just not enough to erase the emotional pit of despair, which really it is this emotional pit of despair. You feel utterly hopeless when when the stock plummets, when your investment plummets. Um, and so just don't be seduced and fall for that bait. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I mean, the best way to protect yourself during market swings is to create a well-diversified investment portfolio, yep. you know, that has a mix of assets, you know, such as stock funds and fixed income funds, bond funds, following a disciplined strategy for mm -hmm. rebalancing when markets are low um, and experience the, the, you know, gains when they happen in the market, um, you know, include assets, <clears throat> I mean, different kinds of asset classes in your portfolio that reduces risk and the impact of volatility on your overall investment portfolio mm -hmm. while taking advantage of good markets when they're up without giving it all back during the downturns. Right. You know, it's also important to diversify within an asset class. Sure. Um, such as not putting all your money in one or two stocks. So, you know, the way you do that is you use mutual funds. Mm -hmm. You use funds that buy hundreds or even thousands of stocks. They're not putting all your eggs in one basket. They're they're spread out, designed to capture the asset class or the market's return, you know, when it happens. Yeah. So you gotta avoid concentrating your portfolio down into individual investments that have a lot of exposure to one industry or one sector or even one company right? that can, you know, have a disaster if something unusual happens with that industry sector or company. Yeah. So, and don't forget about market timing. That can also be seductive and drive FOMO. Um, you know, it's time in the market that counts, not timing the market. Sure. Yeah. We've all That's heard that phrase. phrase. Yeah. Exactly. So, I mean, don't be fooled about, you know, into the sitting on the sidelines thinking that you're going to jump in when the market takes some predictable downturn. Mm -hmm. Downturns, they aren't predictable. No. You know, they certainly aren't. And they usually don't happen when you think they will. Right. Um, you know, nobody predicted the pandemic crash in 2020, for no. instance, in March of 2020, or even the two big dips in 2022. Yeah. You know, they were driven by the 
the Fed's interest rate increases. Although although the analysts were expecting the interest rate increases, nobody expected the market really to dip as hard as it did, you know, just in those, those single months um, back in 2022. And then there were, there were not analysts back then in October of 2022 saying, Hey, now it's time to jump in the stock market because it's down 25%. Um, Most people believe it was headed lower. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Because the fed was planning more rate hikes. Right. And yet the market made a sizable recovery in the fourth quarter of 2022 and never looked back. Yeah. It's never seen that level again since right. then, right? I mean, if you were sitting on the sidelines like like many people, you know, thinking that you're going to jump back in on another leg down, you've missed a 35% gain since then. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, you know, markets move unpredictably and, and riding that bandwagon hype about – where it's going will lead you to, I mean, really will lead to poor returns. Like you just said, if you're not in on that 35% that it fell and you just come in once it's quote unquote recovered, yeah, then you've missed out on on all that growth getting back uh, to where it was. So, and I think an important thing for people to know is that the stock market is up 75% of the time. So you have to be perfect in your timing to get out and back in without hurting yourself. Uh, you know, you have to make two perfect decisions to gain for market timing and that's just impossible really to do so when the odds are are so much against you so you know you play the roulette wheel more than once and you can bet you'll come out a loser you win it maybe that one time you feel great but the odds are just not in your favor they're vastly against you that's exactly right yeah again so don't fall prey to fomo you know when it comes to your investments i mean we sat down with somebody just this week that was all in cash and on Mm -hmm. the sidelines waiting for that perfect opportunity to get back in yeah um you can't let those emotions drive you out of the market right um, or drive you in any particular investment you know you have to follow a disciplined strategy that's right stick to it you know through the good times and bad and just let your process play out and when it comes to planning for your future, the most important thing to do is to create a plan. Yeah, really. Um, you know, that way when FOMO does appear, you can refocus your attention back to your plan and assess if you were on track. I mean, having a plan, that's one of the best protections against FOMO. Um, so you aren't lured away from your main goals and your, your plan and pulled off your track, your path that you mapped out to get there. Um, if you haven't created a, a good financial plan yet, then, you know, get it right away. Make 2024 the year that you get on track. Mm-hmm. Identify your goals. Put together a long-term investment plan that meets those goals. Investor.gov has some great tools to get started there um, yeah. with its free financial planning tools sure. and resources. But if you have an advisor that can help, you know, go to them, ask for an update. Um, if you haven't done that recently, because having a plan is – one of the key ways to resist that temptation and jump into something just because you're hearing about how great it did. Yeah. It's a trap. Don't, don't fall for it. Yeah, it is a trap. And one of the good things about FOMO that I try and tell myself, or what are the opportunities that I have already taken advantage of that I'm already in Yeah, and and focusing on not what you're missing out on, but being, being thankful for what successes. Yeah. What you actually did do well and that'll take some of the edge off of, hey, I missed that opportunity. Because the reality, there's opportunities every day that you miss out on. Sure, but they're unpredictable. Yeah, they're unpredictable. You can't, you can't find exactly. them. Exactly. You know, so you just, just being thankful for the opportunities you have that you actually are taking advantage of. And no, you just can't, you can't hit every opportunity and that's okay. 
So yeah, absolutely. Good point. Okay, and that leads us up here to our question of the week. Yes, the question, and you talked about planning, so this is good. Uh, what's the difference, though, Steve, between financial planning and investment management? Okay. We, we, I feel like we get this a little yeah. bit, yeah. and so it's a good, good question to address. It's a good question, yeah. Yeah, yeah and they go together a little bit, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, investment management, of course, is managing your investments. You know, mm-hmm. It's managing how you're invested, the, the funds you use, the stocks, the vehicles, um, what return you get, what risk level you're in, in. Um, you know, that's the investment management piece of it. Um, but financial planning is looking at the big picture. It's looking at, you know, why do you have those investments? Right. What is the, yeah. what's, what's the plan for? five years down, 10 years down the road? Sure. What are you trying to get with your finances? Yeah. How do you get there? What are the steps? And what return you get is part of that plan. Right. So the investment management does go hand in hand with financial yeah. planning. But financial planning is wholly different. It's planning for the future. It's why are you doing all the things you're doing in your financial right. life and how do you arrange those to get you to your end goal? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's good. Yeah, and I think understanding, like you said, they are linked. You need both, but they're asking two different questions. Exactly. And um, But when coupled together, I think it, it really makes for a good financial picture as a whole. So anyway, that's like the question of the week. And then now that leads us into <clears throat> our next article. This is again from Kiplinger. And it's 10 tax forms retirees receive and what they mean. And this was just... It is uh, tax time. It is tax time, yeah. And this was just, uh, um, I guess, published a couple days ago by uh, another CFP named Evan Beach. So he, um, yeah, he has some good things to say. And yeah, Steve, as you said, it's it's that time of year. It's tax time. People are preparing to do, to do their taxes. And, and really, it's an often overwhelming time, especially when it comes to all the different forms you receive in the mail or your email and so I think this article is good because it it helps summarize the different tax forms re- retirees receive or people receive in general and what each of them means. And so, uh, yeah, I'm eager to, to dig in here. And so Evan Beach, the, the author of this article, helps us understand these 10 different forms. Uh, and his perspective is helpful because he's an enrolled, an IRS enrolled agent, which okay. I don't know. I don't know what the process is to become an IRS enrolled agent, but he is one. So, yeah, so I guess that licenses or that gives him license to buy the IRS, prepare taxes, represent taxpayers. So getting his perspective, I think, will be helpful. Um, and so even though he's well-versed, he, he acknowledges the, that this is an overwhelming time um, when you receive all these documents in the mail and have no idea what to do with them or what they're for. So, right. Yeah, it is that time of the year, definitely. And in the last month, I mean, tax forms started arriving and uh, certainly are ramping up here in February. You know, increasingly they're coming by email, so yeah. you have to look for those. You don't you always look, get the paper no, one in the mail anymore, right? So, um, so you need to look back at your last return and make sure if you're doing your own taxes, make sure you get all the forms that you right. need. Yep. Make sure you know what you expect, and then make sure you get it all. I mean, most people are you know grab those, they put them in a folder or maybe a virtual folder on your computer. Yeah. Um, then they hand it over to their accountant, accountant, or if they're doing their own taxes, they upload it to TurboTax. Mm-hmm. You know, and and hope for the best, <laughs> you know, but, you know, all the data is in by, you know, December 31st, the previous year. Right. So, you know, and now it's really just an administrative task of getting it all together yeah. and hoping for the best. Having said that, you're there, you still can make an IRA contribution. You yeah, you can still do IRA You can still do an HSA contribution mm-hmm. for last year. There's yeah. still a couple of things you can yeah. still do That's true. to help your tax situation. But for the most part, it's done. It's an administrative task. 
Um, but it's important that you understand, you know, what you're handing over to your accountant or, or, or also, you know, what you're, what you might be missing. Yeah. That's the right. big thing, right? I mean, the volume of tax returns that are paired by most CPAs means that they're not going to notice if something's missing. They're not yeah. looking hard at your return and looking at last no. year. If you get a good CPA, they will look at the previous year and they'll compare the two, mm -hmm. but so they might help you, you know, by identifying if you're missing something. Yeah. For the most part, you need to take responsibility and ownership of that. Make sure you get right. everything you need. Um, and so here are the most common tax forms that retirees should do receive and should receive. Yeah, yeah. So the first is a 1098. Uh, so these are some of the, the earliest forms to arrive. They document deductible interest, most commonly in the form of a mortgage. And an important note here is uh, when you refinance, you will receive two 1098s for the calendar year. So if you don't file both, uh, you might not be taking the largest possible deductions. So that's that's the first one. The next is the 1099 NEC. And so you've probably heard the question, are, are you 1099 or W-2? Uh, and this is really just tax jargon for whether you are an employee or an independent contractor. So independent contractors will receive a 1099 NEC for their work. Um, for instance, if you're doing limited consulting engagements and you earn more than $600 in any calendar year, you will receive a, a 1099 NEC. And if you're a typical employee who's salaried, most likely you receive a um, W-2. So, right. yeah. Right. Yeah, another form that you know most retirees will receive is a 1099-R. Mm -hmm. um, because if you're taking RMDs or maybe it's your first year retirement and you're taking money out of your retirement plan, yeah. um, maybe you made a Roth conversion last year for the first time, well, welcome to the 1099-R. Yeah. I mean, that's what captures all these distributions from retirement plans that you're likely going to pay some income tax on. So, you know, a common exception to the income tax, uh, you know, statement is a rollover. I mean, right. if you did a direct rollover, then you will still get a 1099-R um, from your retirement plan for that you rolled over. Um, and that can be a little scary. However, um, if you look at box seven, it should have a code G in it for a yep. direct rollover or a code H for a direct rollover for Roth. For Roth. Both of those right. are going to be tax-free, non-taxable rollovers. Right. So you get the 1099, but there's really nothing. There's no, there's no tax you have to pay. No tax. So don't code. let that scare you because right. it'll have a big number on it for what you rolled over. Mm -hmm. That's right. Another form you might get is an SSA 1099. So if you're collecting Social Security benefits, then guess what? That is taxable yep. for most people or for many people. Um, however, they're not quite as taxable as the above, you know, category of distributions right. from your retirement plan. Social Security benefits for most folks are taxable at 85%. Right. Um, that means 85% of your benefit is taxable. Yeah, not at 85% tax. Not an 85% yeah, tax. That'd be a lot. Rate. Right. So Although, you know, I, yeah. I wouldn't put it past the government to. Yeah, right. So if you've got $10,000 in Social Security benefits, $8,500 is taxable. And right. probably maybe at 12%. So sure. then again, maybe it's a thousand dollars tax yeah. total. So yep. just to put it in perspective, yeah, that's good. Um, there you go. So, um, but you know, it, it's anyway, so you're going to get that, that 1099, uh, the SSA 1099 showing how much you received in social security benefits. You're going to put that on line 6A or, mm -hmm. you know, it will end up on line 6A right. or 1040. But then line 6B of your 1040 is going to tell you how much of that is taxable. And like I said, it'll be about 85% of that money for most people. Could be less. It could be lower. It could be yeah. even zero if you're in a low-income tax bracket. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, that's good. Uh, next one to talk about is a 1099 INT. And this is relevant because we actually earn interest now on our, our we savings. actually get interest. It's a nice problem yeah. to have. Yeah, so it, it actually pays now to have your cash and <clears throat> a high-yield savings account or money market fund. But you do have to pay Uncle Sam a share. So this form reports interest income from banks or brokerage accounts, including CDs. And so if you've earned $10 or more in interest in a calendar year, then you will receive a 1099 our INT. And believe it or not, there are still plenty of accounts at big banks that are not paying interest. So if that's you and you can't find your 1099 INT, it's probably because your bank is not paying you the interest that you can get almost anywhere at this point. Yeah. But yeah, there's, good good high yield savings, good money market fund. You want a 1099 INT. That's right. They're stealing from you. If you didn't get yeah. a 1099 uh, INT, yeah. they're stealing from you. Move your money somewhere yes. where you're getting some yeah. interest. You want this form this year. Uh, if you have cash savings that you're you're putting aside. So uh, the next is a 1099 DIV, and this reports dividends paid inside of taxable accounts, individual, joint, and, and revocable trusts. Whether or not these dividends are reinvested, they are they are still taxable in the year received. The 1099 B, this document transact this this yeah this documents transactions made in a given year. So if you bought or sold stock. Um, you'll see it in the 1099B, whether it was a good year or bad year. If you made a transaction, it'll be on that form. And then these transactions get consolidated onto uh, the Schedule D of your, your tax return um, or your tax form. And then there's the 1099MISC, miscellaneous. And this is kind of a sort of a, a catch-all that catches less than it used to, really. But this used to include income that is now reported on the 1099NEC. Uh, but now it's really used to report rents and prizes and awards and, and other non-employee compensation. Compensation. So, yeah, that's right. And then there's the 1099 composite. Okay, the, and the that holy really, grail of all four. It really just rolls up all the ones you just talked <laughs> yeah. about there. The INT, DIV, B. Um, it's a great. It's a good. Thank goodness for it actually, because yeah, it's, it's nice. nice. Consolidates it all together, particularly for brokerage accounts. You will get a 1099 composite right. that has both the INT, the DIV, the B. Yeah, it's a nice summary of all of it. Has it all together, right? So, um, so you want to get that. Look for that this year. You know, if you had an account at TD Ameritrade, you're going to get two of those for each account, right? Yeah, you're going to get that's one right. from TD Ameritrade and one from Schwab because Schwab bought out TD Ameritrade and it transitioned to Schwab. So look for two of those. Yep. 1099 composites for each account that's a an after-tax account. These are after-tax accounts that's that right. you would get yeah. a composite for. Right. Not an IRA. IRA that's or retirement R. account, yeah. you get the 1099R yep. if you took money out. If you took so, money out, yeah. And then the one that we we hate to speak of is the K-1. <laughs> you know, we, we hope you don't get that. Um, but this is income that's passed through from those who hold interest in a business. Yeah. Um, they're the bane of the CPA's existence. Everybody hates them. Um, they're notoriously arrived late, uh, later than, than anything else because, you know, companies aren't required oh, to yeah. put those out to the end of, end of, end of March, I think, or something right. like that. Mid-March maybe. Um, but K-1s, they're commonly associated with partnerships, with businesses or trust income. If you mm -hmm. have a trust or an estate, um, you might get a K-1 from that. And, um, but you know, um, if you do get one of those, um, yeah, you want to avoid those, but you know, it's the result of having some kind of alternative investment. Yep. Um, so all those forms though, you know, you, you need to file your taxes. Yeah. And, and they get moved over to the schedules and consolidated on the form 1040. Um, and that's what's used to, 
you know, submit your taxes. And so if you're confused, it's okay. It is kind of confusing. But I think knowing these forms is a good start to understanding why we have um, yeah, the different forms we, we do. And, and there's a logic to all of them. And I think the better you understand, even if it's a little bit better understand how these forms work, the better you'll understand your tax situation. So exactly. uh, yeah, I thought it was a good, good read to go through at this time of the year. So Good summary. Yeah, yeah. get it all together and just make sure you get all the all your tax forms right. prepared for for filing your taxes. That's but, right. But don't file too early. You need all those forms. You do, yeah. Some of them don't come until yeah. March. Yeah, actually. March, right. So, Especially if you're in the, the K-1 category. If you know you're going to receive a K-1, maybe do it later. And some get corrected. You get you get <laughs> yeah, 1099 all days to get corrected yeah. all the way up to March. So right. don't get too anxious. There you go. All right. All right, and that leads us to our last thing, and that is the prescription of the week. Okay, well, you should aim at saving 15% or more of your income towards retirement mm-hmm. or about, you know, 16 to 20 times your current salary is kind of a rule of thumb that you need by age 65. That's right. And that's if you don't have a pension, okay? That's kind of the rule of sure. thumb of what yeah. you need. So everybody's a little different there. But the key is save 15% or more of your income toward retirement so that you'll have enough. We've never seen anybody come up short if you save if that you amount save enough, yeah. for a significant period of time. If you put in 15% of your income to retirement for a long period, 15, 20 years or more, yeah. we've never seen anybody come up short. So that's a great rule of thumb. And so, and then also set up automatic investing. Um, you know, yeah, the day you get helpful. paid, so it goes in automatically. Um, and I would even suggest if you don't, if you're not at the 15%, have set up an automatic increase that so goes up 1% yeah. each year to get you to that 15% number that you're trying to get to. But um, yeah, I mean, you'll be surprised how much you can accumulate quickly if you start saving, get it automatic going in mm-hmm. every single every single pay period. That's the key to success. It's a good prescription. Yeah, there you go. it really is. Simple. Absolutely. So there's your prescription of the week. And that brings us to a close for this week's edition of Money MD. See you next week. There are more prescriptions for your financial health. Check us out on our website, moneymd.net. Send us your questions. We'd love to hear from you. Or you can give us a call at Richard Young Associates at 706-739-0725. Thanks for listening. Have a great weekend. Yeah, have a good one. Material in this program is intended for general information only and should not be taken as specific investment tax or legal advice. None of the information contained in the broadcast is intended by the host to be a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. All hosts are representatives of Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor.